When I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that. Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenRoll.com. I'm Christian Rivas here with Jacob Brood. Uh, Jacob, I hope you had a happy Halloween. It is now November. We get an extra hour of sleep. That's always good. I woke up kind of, I mean, late today by my standards, and then I looked at the clock, and it was still early. And instead of turning over a new leaf and saying, I'm going to get my sleep schedule on track. I'm going to be a productive person. I said, too early. <laughs> I went back to that. <laughs> I, uh, I spent the weekend, really, the last week, just watching all sorts of horror movies, uh, which is a must this time of year. I also, totally unrelated, I still have a bone I'd like to pick with you. Um, so you, as people ha- that have been listening no, have been trying to ease me into off-season talk. And it finally worked last week. And I started thinking about the off-season. And I proposed a, t- a trade on Twitter, which the trade's irrelevant. We, we may talk about it at the, with uh, some of these mailbag questions. But I had multiple people in my mentions telling me I'm already doing this too soon. We just want a title. <laughs> and I got to say, I wanted to tag you in every one of those when I just would like everyone to know that within the week, the Lakers won the title. Our Slack was full of trade ideas led by Christian. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I am the good guy here. And I started taking uh, getting some heat on Twitter for proposing a trade this week. Here's the thing. Like more than, excuse me, more than half of the Lakers roster are free agents. Like this is inevitable. I, the only players that are under contract for next season are Crusoe, LeBron, Kuzma, Taylor Horton Tucker, Danny Green, and then partially Quinn Cook. I think JaVale is, uh, or he may have an option. Actually. He does have an option. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, it's inevitable. I'm not sorry. I am what people <laughs> complain about when it comes to like media being obsessed with the off season and trades. I am problem number one. I love it. I am on the trade machine throughout the year. Um, and like we talked about in, in the last pod we did, I just think this is a really interesting summer for the Lakers coming off of a title run where people criticized and, and questioned whether or not their supporting cast was enough. Now they have a real chance to add more talent and, and, you know, we'll see if they run it back or add a few players, but uh, it, it is not for us to decide what we talk about today. We opened it up to Twitter uh, thank you all for sending in your questions for today's off-season mailbag. It'll probably be the first of many we do uh, in the off-season, but this is November or not, 1st. depending on how quickly they bring this season yeah. back. <laughs> November 1st, the draft is only a little over two weeks away. Um, so the off-season is upon us. I don't know if we'll get too many draft questions because... <laughs> 
not too many questions involved with the 28th pick in the draft. Uh, but we will have a few uh, questions regarding the roster, and we'll get to those in a second. First, Jacob, um, how was your Halloween? It was good. I usually – this is the inner fat guy in me talking. My favorite part about Halloween is typically the day after – when you go to the store and all of the Halloween candy is marked 50% <laughs> off. Um, and I usually buy up some candy then. We are, as most of the country is, in a basically a COVID outbreak right now. So I figured it probably wasn't wise to go to Walmart to get Halloween candy. <laughs> it did not seem essential. Um, but no, yeah, I... I stopped dressing up a long time ago. I'm not a, a fan of dressing up. I know you dressed up, but I, 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 I'm trying to think. I might have been like 10 or 11 the last time I dressed up. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, like a long time ago I stopped. Uh, but like I said earlier, I mean, I love watching Halloween movies. I, I watched a bunch of them. I took suggestions on on twitter i have a list of them i'll probably still keep watching them um unlike a lot of people you you can't start celebrating christmas until after thanksgiving in my opinion yeah um so this will probably just be another extended halloween period where i watch some more scary movies but uh i do miss the the big bag of candy that i normally get this time of year I was talking to Sarah today and she made the executive Sarah's my girlfriend. Um, I was talking to Sarah today and she made the executive decision that Halloween is not over because we <laughs> still have to watch Sinister. And then there's a new movie on Netflix that I see a lot. I've seen a lot of people talk about. It's called uh, his house. It's supposed to be really good. Um, you watched Hereditary recently, which is the creepiest movie I've seen in my lifetime. But from what I've been told from our mutual friends, it's not as scary as Sinister, which I'm really worried about. <laughs> I have a, I've watched both. Uh, Sinister is scarier, but Hereditary was... Boy, that was something. I don't even really know how to uh, how to describe that. That was a so I made the pro I made the poor decision as well that um, you you do have to watch Halloween movies at night, but I decided to lay in my bed on my iPad in the dark and do it. And that was one of those nights where I watched the movie, and typically I'll just go to sleep after that. Uh, no, I had to get up, turn some lights on in the house, <laughs> um, watch some TV to, to cleanse the palate, so to speak, so that I could go to sleep and not have nightmares. That movie is, I mean, it's done by the same person who does Midsummer, and it reminded me a lot of that, but who that movie was something. <laughs> it's not, it's not quite sinister, um, which I would recommend to, every, to, to anyone listening. Honestly, I'll probably watch it again here soon. But uh, that is quite the movie. That will keep you up at night for sure. <laughs> On the opposite side of the spectrum, I watched a very wholesome cartoon on HBO Max, but I, I believe it's on Hulu too, called Over the Garden Wall. Uh, it's 10 episodes. Each episode's about 13 minutes long. If you're a fan of like 
Adventure Time and Flapjack, I think you'll really like Over the Garden Wall. It's a limited series, which you don't see a lot in like animation that's targeted towards children. It's it's only 10 episodes, one season. That's where the story ends. Uh, but it's really enjoyable. I liked it a lot. If you have not checked it out, I definitely check it out. I was Wart from Over the Garden Wall for Halloween. It was a very last minute costume. The first costume I've ever made. And uh, I, I, I thought it turned out pretty well. The most lighthearted movie I guess I watched this week was Ready or Not. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I went to go it's, see it at the drive-in uh, right before everything shut down, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun movie. Um, it It's an interesting movie. I don't even really know how to describe it. It's like part comedy it's not really horror. It's more kind of suspense. Uh, that's a fun movie. I dove all the way in. I watched um, Hush, which is on Netflix, Netflix as well. Yeah. Um, I watched a movie called Green Room at the suggestion of Alex Regla, um, which was a great movie. Um, I watched Hereditary, like you said. I think there was one other one I can't remember. Um I feel like those are the only movies you should be allowed to watch this time of year are horror <laughs> yeah, movies. Like I this agree. is just the the perfect like time of year to do it. Like it's cold outside, like it gets dark real early, so there's plenty of time to do it. Um it's not quite to the point where you're like thinking of the holidays. Um there isn't like snow outside or anything. Like fall is the perfect like horror movie weather. So I feel like that's the only movies you should be allowed to watch this time of year. I put on the Adams family for Sarah because she hadn't seen it. We both fell asleep midway through the movie, <laughs> woke up, and that movie was still on, dude. I had no idea it was that long. Or maybe we just didn't sleep for as long as we thought we did. But regardless, that it's that a glowing recommendation of the movie <laughs> that you fell asleep during it. I mean, I, I had seen it before, Sarah hadn't. I think the characters are fun. Um, but yeah, I, I did fall asleep. Uh, we should probably get into some basketball talk. We are uh, not a movie podcast. <laughs> not yet. Um, wait until we get into the real dark days of the offseason. <laughs> um, but yeah, we uh, we have some some basketball stuff to talk about. And we will get going with these questions uh, in no particular order. We will start with at Kyle Marks 13 asked who is the most handsome laker i will uh i'll do one from last year's roster and one all time personally i think all time it's probably rick fox Easy. um and then this year uh every, every time i get asked by my friends to tell a player hello, which I think they just have a fundamental misunderstanding of what I do <laughs> and like how it works. It's not like, Hey, can I get some tickets to the next yeah. game? <laughs> uh, I usually get Kyle Kuzma a lot. Um, yeah. My girlfriend thinks Dwight Howard's really attractive. And she used to tell me that all the time before Dwight was in the good graces of Lakers fans again. And I just get <laughs> irrationally mad at her. Uh, but I think I'd, I'd probably give it to Kuz. Kuz seems like the easy answer. Um, I was trying to think. The only other one I would maybe argue is Danny Green. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it has to be Kyle Kuzma. If it's yeah, if if you find like a young Lionel Richie attractive, then <laughs> I understand why Danny Green would be your answer. Um our friend Kendrew asks, how do we stop Derrick Rose from becoming a Laker? Uh I don't I personally don't know. I hope the Lakers learned that Alex Caruso is probably untouchable this summer. Or so God, who am I, Harrison? Uh saying this summer instead of this offseason. I've done it a lot. I've written it a lot. <laughs> um this offseason, I I would not trade Alex Caruso for Derrick Rose straight up. Um I'm not even confident I do it for a pick. Like I don't know how high the Pistons are picking this year. I think it's eighth, uh, seventh. Yeah. I don't know. Even then, man, I, I think some of it's uh, an emotional attachment to Caruso, but I also just think he's a really good player. And I don't love Derek Rose's fit with, no. with this roster, even if Rondo is gone and uh, Avery Bradley doesn't come back, which I'm, I'm pretty sure he will, but we'll get into that later. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Kendrew, but if any of you guys know, let us know <laughs> so we can. Um, I would say the answer would be to give Rondo whatever he wants <laughs> as a contract um, because I would imagine that's the hole that Derrick Rose would be filling. Yeah. I don't know... I don't know that they really need to fill Rondo's spot in the roster if he leaves. Maybe I just think too highly of a THT, basically, but I think he could step in between that and Caruso improving, things like that. I think you can make up for, um, at least in terms of skill set, what you lose with Rondo. It'll be obviously hard to replace his kind of veteran presence and all those cliches, but um, yeah, I'm just, I don't know that I would honestly trade anything for Derrick Rose. I am not crazy about his game and especially on the Lakers. Um, I do think there's probably a need for a a shot creator, um, which is effectively what Rondo ended up being in the playoffs. Um, You did it really well. (laughs) Yes, exceedingly well. Everything he did in the playoffs, he did exceedingly well. Um, There would be a need for that if Rondo leaves, but I don't think Derrick Rose is the um, person to fill that need. So I was – I really just don't think he is any kind of solution on this this Lakers team. He's going to be making $7 million next year. Um, and then, oh my gosh, I always forget that. I didn't even like him before I knew that. <laughs> um, and he's going to make, yeah, it, I, it, his contract expires at the end of it. But um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It would have to be like Quinn Cook and JaVale McGee. And even then, you, I, I, I would do it then, maybe. But <laughs> uh, he only had 43 catch and shoot opportunities last year and that's going to be like the primary thing you're going to need any guard to be able to do playing next to LeBron and AD so there's just a lot of reasons he's not a good shooter he's never been a good shooter yeah um there are just so many reasons he's ball dominant he 
I mean, he runs the pick and roll well, but I don't know how much. I mean, I guess Rondo did it a fair amount with AD, but it's usually a lot of pick and roll for him to score and not everyone else. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't think – I think, like, the archetype of what he is as a shot creator is something the Lakers need, but not him. Yeah. Uh, our friend Mia asks – how can we save Alex Caruso from being traded again? Not an answer I know off the top of my head, but if I had a guess, you just lock him in a gym with Phil Handy and then see what happens after that. I imagine good things. And at that point, he's untouchable. Like if if he adds a reliable three-point shot, he is going to get like Matthew Delavadova money next summer. What a sentence. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. Matthew <laughs> Delavadova money. I mean, you're not wrong. I forgot that he got absolutely paid. Was it was it Delhi that was like a restricted free agent and he signed like an offer sheet and LeBron congratulated him on joining the, the Bucks like before they'd even come out whether they were gonna match it or not? I believe it was him. Oh, well, I mean um, he's he's still actually no. Um did Delhi get traded and then traded back to I the Cavs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's back on the Cavs. Yeah. Um I, I don't know. <laughs> he, yes, he is back on the Cavs, but that's the biggest thing with Caruso is to not be able to start knocking down threes. Um how you keep him from being traded? Again, I don't I don't know specifically. Uh maybe start a a petition. There was <laughs> A report either last week or the week before that um, wasn't it that Caruso was like off the table for trade discussions during the season, or maybe it was just that everybody was calling about him. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, every team in the league inquired about Caruso. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I know it's kind of hard without having the numbers right in front of you, but a straight up trade for Alex Caruso's salary. I don't know how many trades I do one for one for Caruso right now. That, that's how good he was, and that's how valuable he was on the defensive end for the Lakers this past season. Um, yeah, again, it's, it's kind of hard without having it right in front of you, but uh, Caruso only makes like $2.75 million. That is nothing. Mm-hmm. All right, it's something to us. Yeah, <laughs> $2.75 million yeah. is a lot of money, but... Relatively speaking. <laughs> um, he is the perfect player to play with AD and LeBron. Um, really, honestly, aside from shooting, which we just talked about, he is... he Everything else you want from a guard next to those two, he does. Um and then, like you said, defensively, honestly, I if he – this might be a hot take. I'm trying to think. If he gets, like, starter minutes next year, which I think is possible, mm-hmm. I think he can make an all-defense team. I think he belonged on an all-defensive t- – like, I, I get the argument for minutes, but when you just look at pure defensive impact, even in the regular season with the type of minutes he was getting – he deserved like some all defensive team consideration. He's he was so good. 
Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because the only other two players I would like even consider trading uh, Crusoe for are Dante DiVincenzo, who was just like an absolute menace on the defensive end for Milwaukee. Like he's there, Alex Caruso. Uh, and then Matisse Thibel is, is the other one I would happily, but I think Philly would probably say no to that. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I mean, Thibel in a lot of ways is similar to Caruso because they both need to work on their three-pointer. I think Thibel was – I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'll try to pull them up. But I think he was worse from three than – 35.7%. Yeah, so actually that's probably about what Caruso shot. Um, I mean, Thibel, yeah, was a menace defensively. I just don't really know. It takes – and I guess Thibel probably has this some of this experience playing next to Simmons and uh, Embiid, but there's a certain I don't even know necessarily skill set, but an understanding you have to have when you're playing with guys like LeBron and AD, when to when to cut, where to cut, you know what to do on different areas of the court, and Caruso had that. Like he was one of the five best Lakers in the playoffs and he was closing most games. I mean, they went to him in the deciding game as the lineup change. Um, I don't know that they're on his salary. He's so valuable, especially when you're trying to build a team around two max guys. Um, it would be a really short list. I don't, I would have to look, it would be a really short list of guys I would trade him for. Um, I honestly don't know if Thibel and DiVincenzo are on that list. I'd have to look more, but it'd be a really short list. He is incredibly valuable to this Lakers team. Um, last question before we go to the break is kind of semi-related. Uh, at Ain't Nothing Nice asks, is AC a starter next season? I think you can make a case for Crusoe being a starter. It probably starts with him being a little bit better of a ball handler and a three-point shooter, or alternatively getting another guard that is better at shooting the ball and um, like handling the ball and making Caruso like that Danny Green type in that lineup. Um, Like, I I don't know why I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I guess it's just because how I spend my days thinking about trades and signings and um but i think if you're gonna start ac I, a guy like cj mccollum would just be awesome on the lakers that would be tight but obviously Agreed. that's not gonna yeah, happen i'd like cj i was gonna say yeah. <laughs> i would really like cj mccollum sure yeah I don't, I don't know how many other guys just that that type of player yeah um maybe not as small or like you know a liability on the defensive end but you know cj mccollum or even Victor Oladipo would be awesome, but I've made my sense on that known. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would say yes um, if he's a better ball handler than he showed this past season. So, as the roster is currently constructed, if we assume that Danny Green, Avery Bradley, KCP, Caruso... I mean, even Rondo are coming back. 
I would say no. I would imagine that they probably see it's it's interesting because KCP was so good yeah. in the playoffs that it's it'd be hard to bring him off the bench again. I really think I'd be really surprised if Avery Bradley was on the team on opening night just because they were able to do so much without him. Um, but I would say it's – I think Danny Green's probably a lock to be in the starting lineup. And then at that point, you have Avery Bradley, KCP, and Caruso for one more guard spot. Um, and I think Caruso is probably at the bottom of that list. Uh Part of it probably being politics. If Avery yeah. Bradley's around, I doubt they're going to bring him off the bench. And then if they do, he's going to be the sixth man. So I think Alex Crusoe should be a starter. I do not think he will be a starter. I would, but I still think he'll probably close a lot of games like he did this year, and especially in the playoffs. Yeah, that ba- uh, that backcourt's going to be so interesting to watch Frank figure out because. Mm-hmm. I mean, KCP and Danny Green can make cases to like hold their spots in the starting lineup. I think the real question becomes like, is KCP and Danny Green the best backcourt you can get to complement each other? And I think that's the question they're probably going to have to answer. That'd be internet. I mean, ultimately, when the games matter, the Lakers are going to go small. And at that point, I think it will be just Caruso, KCP, and Danny Green. Um, I mean, Frank Vogel did, I think, a really good job of navigating that. And we can talk about the the roster crunch, but, I mean, if this season does start Christmas Day, roster depth is going to be incredibly important this year. So I think all of those guys will get plenty of minutes. and maybe that's the argument for keeping Avery Bradley. If um, if they're going to try try to squeeze a season in and seventy two games in however many short months, um, you're going to need a deep bench. So you may need five six guards that can play because you might have four games and five nights and things like that. And with a an older team like what the Lakers are going to have. Um, it'll be valuable to have a bunch of guards and a bunch of wing players that you can kind of interchange. And we saw this year, Vogel will basically just play the hot hand each, each game. So guys will get their chances. So, but ultimately, yeah, I'd still be surprised if, if Avery Bradley's on the team, that $5 million is a nice, nice starting point in a trade. Um, Especially if somebody like JaVale McGee comes back or accept his option, then you have about not, a little over $9 million between those two, and that can get you a pretty decent piece back in return. So um, I'd be surprised if Avery Bradley's back, but I think the question was, is Caruso a starter? And I would say no. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more of your questions. All right, we're down to the last few questions and they're some of my favorite which is why i saved them for last um the first comes from at president 25 
Outside of the obvious Brad Beal and CP3, who should the Lakers keep their eyes on this or their eye on this offseason? Um, I mean, other than those two, I mean, the only the only other name I've really heard thrown around, or I should say two names that I've heard thrown around are Victor Oladipo and Zach Levine. The latter, like, inclusion in the conversation, I don't understand. Like, there's been no indication that Chicago has any desire to move on from him. I also just don't know if like that's the guy you make a big play for, uh, especially if it limits your cap flexibility in 2021. Like, I don't know. Lakers fans have an infatuation with Zach Levine. And this is coming from somebody who wanted the Lakers to draft Zach Levine seventh over Julius Randle in 2014, but I digress. I was right. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Um, Levine's an interesting one. I'm not crazy about him. Um, again, especially on this team, I would probably take him over Derrick Rose, but that probably says more about how low, low I am on Derrick Rose. Um, yeah, Oladipo's one that's going to be mentioned a ton. Other than that, there aren't going to be a lot. I think Brooklyn's like gluttony of guards will be expendable. Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, um, because I think they're going to want to bring back Joe Harris, but I don't think the Lakers really have anything that will entice Brooklyn. Um, but, I mean, a guy like Dinwiddie would be great, I think, on this team. The other name that might be worth watching, although I don't, I'm not sure how the math would work, would be Buddy Heald. Yeah. Um, because he really does not want to be in Sacramento. <laughs> Who can blame him? So he's already he's already a great Laker from the start. Um, they're going to want to keep Bogdanovich, and. He and Buddy Heald was benched for Bogdanovich, and despite playing better off the bench, um, he was not happy with being demoted, basically. So um, I don't know what it would take to get him. I don't even know if the Lakers can put enough together to get him. They can, yeah. <laughs> you, I'm, it's not a surprise <laughs> that you know that. Um but I I would love him. He would be amazing on this team. It's funny because with the with with Heald and the Kings, when you look at the type of player he is, is like the type of player you want alongside Darren Fox in the backcourt. Dave Yeager found like a ton of success with it last season, and then Luke Walton was like, eh, I don't want. To figure that out, <laughs> somebody else can. Um, I'm going to start bogged on in your place. Speaking of like players, I'd love to see alongside Caruso in the backcourt. Bogdanovich would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any chance the Kings don't match, but you know, yeah. stranger things have happened with the Kings. So um, I would not rule out anything with the Kings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. I'm actually glad you brought that up because Lakers Ace 12, 12 asks, do you think the Lakers trade coups or no? I hope they somehow get Buddy Hield, Hield or Oladipo. Um, 
I so Joss and I did a whole podcast on coups on Friday, and the argument I've had for coups and and what I wrote about is, I mean, if if, if this is his ceiling with this Lakers team with the core of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. He's probably more valuable as an asset than he is long-term with, with a payday just around the corner. Um, so I personally think it wouldn't be the worst idea to see what they can get for him. I don't know what they can get for him. I think a package for Buddy Heald centered around Kyle Kuzma is probably the most realistic like trade package I can think of because of how high Luke Walton is on Kuz and the rumors around the trade deadline about, you know, the Kings having some level of interest in Kuz or, you know, the Lakers having some level of interest offloading Kuz to Sacramento, however you wanted to read those reports. Um, yeah, I, I could see something like that happening. And that's honestly, even with the knowledge that Buddy Heald is due 24 million this next season and 22 thereafter, uh, I, I think I'd still do that trade. I just thought you were going to stop your sentence at how high Luke Walton was. <laughs> uh, that's why I started laughing. Um, so I'll play devil's advocate a bit on a couple of points you made. This version of Kuzma is still a valuable piece. And not that you you weren't saying that, but I think the biggest thing, and I just mentioned it with Caruso, to build a, a sustainable title contender when you have max guys, you need players uh, to outperform their contracts. And the best way to do that is to have guys on rookie deals, draft well, have guys on rookie deals, and um, have them perform at a high level. That's what, essentially speaking, that's what Caruso is doing now. That's what... I mean, even for as much flack as Kuzma took this year, he outperformed his contract, which mainly is because his contract is so low. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he made $1.9 million this year. He easily outperformed that. He's still set to only make, again, relatively speaking, only make $3.5 million next year. Um, I don't – I mean, I think if he just performed – Roughly at the level he did this season, he's probably still outperforming that contract. He still has value on this team because he's one of a few wings that the team has. Um, honestly, at this point, I almost think of him more as a small forward than I do a power forward. Um, maybe a, a, a kind of a tweener between those two positions, which used, used to be a bad thing, but now is valuable because um, you can put a couple different types of lineups around him. He was guarding guards in the finals. So he was guarding Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, chasing them around screens. Um, that allows you to do different kinds of things defensively when you have a guy like him. But also, I I mean, he's entering his – he is entering basically his final year. He'll be a restricted free agent. If the Lakers aren't going to pay him – Maybe there's some value in trading him now. Maybe you wait and do a sign-in trade next year. The other thing, if you're looking at Buddy Heald specifically, I know I just said that I would want him on the team. <laughs> Ultimately, I still do. But again, a devil's advocate point is that he has a really big contract. And 
for a Lakers team that is probably going to be superstar chasing still just because that's what the Lakers do. Yeah. He's making 24 million this upcoming year, then 22 million, 19 million, 21 million. You lose max cap room um, if you trade for Buddy Heald. So he has to be really, really damn good to make up for the fact that he's basically going to be the key piece next to Anthony Davis for the next two, three years. You have to really believe in him. Um, I think he can be really good, and I think he's perfect next to LeBron and AD as a shooter. Um, but even I am a little hesitant looking at that at that figure. So um, I don't think that they trade Kuz. He's still valuable, even if he is frustrating. Um, I think they wait and see what next summer holds, see what type of deal Kuzma ultimately will want, and see if anybody offers him something big like that. Um, because even if he gets an offer sheet, the Lakers then have three days to negotiate with that team, potentially negotiate with that team for a sign-in trade. So there's a lot of things up in the air next summer. I think they just kind of kick the can down the road and uh, worry about trading him or bringing him back next summer. I think that's probably right. If not next summer, then near the trade deadline. Um at ain't nothing nice has another question, uh, semi-related. What does Kuz have to do to prove he's the long-term do-it-all glue guy next to AD and Braun? I think the answer to that is pretty simple in my opinion, and it's just make threes at a ridiculously high rate. Um, obviously, the big, the 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 main thing that made Kuz so attractive in his first two seasons in the league was how well he cut, and we saw that a bit in the Houston series. Um, and then how skilled he was at as creating his own shots and beating his defender off the dribble with the with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's not going to do that next to LeBron and AD. Uh, and if he's going to do it on a team with LeBron and AD, it's not going to be when they're on the court. Or at, le- at least not both of them. So if he's gonna if he's gonna thrive alongside LeBron and AD, I think the defense needs to continue to improve. Although I'd argue it's pretty good right now, mm-hmm. but definitely open three-pointers. I mean, we saw how valuable Marquise Morris became when he was on the floor with LeBron and AD. Uh, anybody that can make three-pointers playing alongside LeBron, AD, or LeBron and AD and play a little bit of defense is, is going to be so, so valuable. So a name I, I thought of um, when, when this question was mentioned, obviously this person was a much better defender than Kuzma is, even though I agree Kuzma is a pretty good defender, but I was thinking back to LeBron's days in Miami in a a Shane Battier type. Yeah. Who played kind of that three, four role on those Miami teams and his primary um, role offensively was just to knock down typically corner threes. He was a 38% three point shooter in those seasons with Miami he was 38% for his career that's probably a number he Kuzma needs to get to um to offensively to be that long-term guy um because I think he does enough defensively I mean obviously he does enough defensively to still get time on the court because he only shot 31% from three this year and still played 
essentially every game. Um, I I never remember how many games he played in 61 games. The Lakers played uh, 71, which I think he was injured a bit. Um, but he played every playoff game. So, I mean, he, he still gets on the floor despite shooting 31% from the field so or from three. So I think he needs to get a lot closer. I mean, honestly, even if he shot 36% like he did his rookie season, um, then you're talking about a long-term glue guy. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, kind of as we discussed, if he shoots 36% from three this season and keeps that level of defense up, he is going to quickly get expensive this offseason <laughs> as a three and D guy, Yeah, which the Lakers need, but I don't know if they'll need him as badly as the amount that they will ultimately have to pay him. I think the, like if Kuz ends up becoming that player, that's awesome. If he's a valuable piece to keep long-term because again, he will be a restricted free agent. Uh, Lakers can go over the cap to sign him, assuming we're not in like a humongous economic recession and like the NBA is just unable to, you know, the Lakers aren't able to pay him and, and go, dip into the luxury tax, whatever. Um, but I mean, the fact that his cap hold is only like roughly, I want to say 10 million. And uh, if you can get Luol Deng's dead cap off of the books, you're looking at keeping coups and signing a 30% max guy, which is awesome. Assuming the, again, assuming the salary cap projects to the, or jumps to the projected $125 million in 2021, that would be awesome. It's just, we don't know right now. Uh, we don't even know if Kuz will be like worth even $10 million in 2021. I don't know if I'd pay this iteration of Kuz more than $10 million or even $10 million in 2021. Probably not. Like no. $10 million is what I'd pay KCP this offseason, and I think even that's underselling him a little bit. Yeah, he would have to shoot far more efficiently. I mean, the for me, the ultimate answer to the original question of what he needs to do is just be a, a more efficient shooter. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it was the frustrating thing about Kuz all season. And honestly, it's, we, I don't know if we mentioned it on here. It's something I kind of discussed um, at times this season if you take the totality of his NBA career and his college career, he has had one season where he's been above a 32% three-point shooter, which was his rookie season. So I know a lot of the discussion is he's shooting poorly um, from three and he needs to kind of get back to that. But ultimately it may just be that that was an outlier season. Um, he was a 30% three-point shooter in college, came into the NBA his rookie year and was like a flamethrower. And then the two seasons since is a 30% three-point shooter. So, I mean, ultimately it may just be that rookie season is something he can't, a level he can't get back to. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting off season for him. A lot of guys in their contract years will – put together big seasons um contract year oj mayo was a thing for a long time (laughs) 
maybe we'll get contract year contract coups. <laughs> yeah, contract coups. Maybe a, a oh my! I didn't even think about that. If we're being honest, we might get a breakout Kyle Kuzma season. We saw what Nick Young did, dude. Like, oh my, that gosh. was crazy. What a what a great comparison for Kyle Kuzma and Nick Young. <laughs> um, the so we have a few in housekeeping uh, questions when it comes to this roster. Uh, so I'm going to ask you in kind of like a game style to, to, to do something for me. So what I'm going to ask you to do is pick one player you think for sure from, from this year's roster, one player you think will for sure be back next season, not named AD, one player from last year's roster that you're okay letting go, and the person that you'd replace them with. So three categories. We'll start with you. So the person for sure coming back, I would say, honestly, KCP. Yeah, I agree. And I think if it's not KCP, it's probably Markeith because I think he was awesome in the playoffs and I think they'd love to have him back. Yeah, I think KCP, I mean, we've we've discussed, I think we discussed it last week. This is a clutch team. I would be stunned if he leaves LeBron and AD as a clutch client. Um, he seems to like it here, even if the fans haven't always been the nicest to him. But, uh, I mean, he just won a title here. I'd be really surprised if he left. Although, if somebody throws him a huge deal, like, go secure the bag. But I'd be really surprised if he left. So for your player that you'd be okay letting walk, um, I, I guess I'll start off. He's he's not technically under contract next season. He has an option, so I will include him. It's probably JaVale. I, I mean, the fact that you couldn't play him in the playoffs, I think, is just probably going to be the, mo- the, the case for most of the centers the Lakers sign in free agency or, or trade for that because – I mean, that's just the nature of the center position with the exception of, like, AD <laughs> um, and Rudy Gobert, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think the latter is debatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I would not be mad if they traded JaVale or just let him walk. I think he's pretty easily replaceable with uh, two guys we'll talk about shortly after this. Yeah, JaVale would probably be my answer. Um, one other answer, I mean, I've already said Avery Bradley as well. I mean, they won a title without him. One other answer I'll give, I would be pretty surprised if Quinn Cook's back on the roster next year because it's, he's technically, he, he's under contract next year, but it's only 1 million guaranteed. And he was a great locker room guy, but I don't know if he's $3 million worth of being a great locker room guy. And... I think you can find someone on the vet minimum, um, especially in what we project this free agent market to be that can come in and replace him. So uh, he'd be another guy that I would, I mean, I really love him. I'm glad he won a title with the Lakers, Yeah, but I would not be surprised nor upset if he were waived this off season. I almost said summer this off season. <laughs> um. So the the final part of, of this exercise, I'm going to loop in 
with another question we have uh, from at AGCH1094. Um, I'm looping it, looping it in because my job here is to replace JaVale McGee or just somebody uh, with his roster spot. And I think the reason I'm comfortable letting JaVale go is because, uh, so, so the question is, DeMarcus Cousins or Tristan Thompson, assuming we lose Dwight Howard and assuming both are on the table interested, I think it's more likely that the Lakers retain Dwight if they had to choose between JaVale and Dwight cause, just because I think Dwight's the better player. Uh, I do think we lose Dwight, though. I think Golden State's going to come at him with a starter's job on a contender, and he's going to take it. So, you know, best of luck, Dwight. I be happy to have him back. I just don't think he will be. Um, but then, yeah, if if you're letting JaVale walk for an upside play in DeMarcus Cousins, which I'm not super high on, or Tristan Thompson, who, good Lord, if you're talking about improving at a position, going from JaVale McGee to at least last season's Tristan Thompson, take it with a grain of salt. He was on a really bad Cavaliers team. But even the Tristan Thompson that played with LeBron on those Cavs, I think it would be an upgrade over JaVale, and, and, and I'd love to have him. Yeah, Tristan's an easy yes. Um, I do agree that I think Dwight is probably gone, which makes them potentially de- dealing JaVale unlikely. Although, I mean, I think we discuss this ne- next week. There may not be an easier position to find a guy on a vet minimum. Yeah right now than the center. So I wouldn't be entirely worried about that. Um, I would love Dwight back, which rewind (laughs) almost probably exactly 365 days, maybe a little bit uh, more to how we reacted when Dwight uh, was signed. It's amazing. I'll never get over that. Like kudos to him. I'm thrilled that he won a title. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll go along the same line. Since I said Quinn Cook, a guy that I would be interested, I don't know how much he would cost and if he would come, but Austin Rivers. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. Yeah, he would fit defensively really well with this team. And, I mean, he played in Houston, so he'll shoot threes. Um, he can create for himself more than probably most of the guards we have. Um, but he took a he took the vet minimum, I believe, last year to stay with Houston. So that was a Houston team that he probably assumed would be competing for a title. Um, he has a player option for the vet minimum. It'll be interesting to see what he does if he stays in Houston. He seems, I mean, it seems like he, I assume, likes it there, but that's a Houston team that's going the wrong way quick. So he would be one. Honestly, the one of the other ones I would like, another guy that you would hope would take the vet minimum. I know that he was not liked by most Laker fans to finals, but Jay Crowder. Yeah, (laughs) I was just as angry with him as anyone, but uh, as a three and D wing, he would be interesting, but they, LeBron and him tried that in Cleveland and that was the team that they blew up at the trade deadline. So I don't know, maybe there's a, 
some issues there. It sure didn't seem like there was much uh, camaraderie between them during the finals, so I don't know if that's a pairing that would work. But both those guys are kind of 3 and D wing slash guard types that I think the Lakers will target um, this offseason. Yeah, I the market for vets minimum guys is going to be crazy. I There's going to be a signing that either the Lakers or a team like the Warriors make that people are just going to be scratching their heads about how they got paid so little. Um, ah, this, this offseason is going to be nuts. Um, we're down to our last few questions. Um, at Hari underscore K underscore asks, how do you think we can improve on our two biggest weaknesses, shooting and wing defense? Um, the easy answer there is just signing somebody that's good at shooting and wing defense. Um, who those players are, I don't know off the top of my head. I know uh, Kent Bazemore is going to be a free agent this summer. He, I don't want to say is proud or um, he, in short, he didn't like the way the Lakers and him ended uh, on, on those terms. He thought he was worthy of another contract, uh, and obviously he's they right. renounced him. <laughs> and I think he's had opportunities to go back to the Lakers. The Lakers offered him a contract in free agency, and he said no because of that. Um, maybe the Lakers winning a championship with LeBron James changes things. And if it does, I think he's somebody that you take a hard look at. Uh, and he's somebody, honestly, that you can also probably have for the veterans minimum, which is crazy to say because, again, fast forward – or, sorry, rewind back like three years ago, the Lakers were throwing an excess of $10 million at him. Well, the the story goes that they the money that they gave to Luol Deng, they offered to him – Yeah which was more money than what he signed with because, as you said, he did not like how things ended in L.A. For those that don't remember, the Lakers traded uh, Steve Blake for him and Marshawn Brooks, and that was when they were – I mean, they've always done this for a while. They were superstar chasing, and for whatever reason, they did not extend – Kent Bazemore qualifying offer, which was a very small offer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he left and went and succeeded elsewhere and rightfully so held some resentment toward the Lakers. I think I would imagine that resentment's probably probably left when that previous front office left, Mitch and Jim. Um, I don't blame him in the least for holding that level of resentment, but I believe I would imagine that left with them. He would be a – I would really like him. I, I like Kent Bazemore. I've liked, I've liked him since he was a Laker. I've liked him uh, – I liked him after he left the Lakers. I'd be happy to have him come. Um, he seems like a great locker room guy too, which um, a lot of – he would fit with the Lakers well. The, my answer to the question and how the team gets better at shooting and wing defense is – probably through the mid-level exception. Um, I think Jeremy Grant's a name that's going to be mentioned a lot um, in this upcoming, I want to say a couple months, but I don't know that the free or the off season is going to last that long. The upcoming weeks, um, 
I think he would be a really good fit. He's a little – you probably would want him to shoot better, although it sure felt like he hit a lot of shots against the Lakers in that series. Um, but you'd probably want him to shoot a little bit better. But defensively, I thought he was good in that series. Um, I mean, he was tasked with guarding LeBron, and nobody's really stopping LeBron. <laughs> um that's a tough ask, but he was still a 38% three-point shooter this year. So if you get that with – the Lakers don't have many wings his size, so if you can get a 39% three-point shooter that's a wing defender like that, that would make me feel a lot better coming up against the Kawhi and PGs and guys like that, um, the Kevin Durant's potentially in the finals next year. Another name that I hadn't really thought of that would be able to do this as well, um, I actually read it recently in Alex Regla's uh, newsletter, his Throwdowns newsletter, was Justin Holiday. Um, he's a little bit smaller, probably more as a 3-and-D guard, but he was a 40% three-point shooter last year, and he's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, I don't know how much he would command. I don't know if the Lakers would give him – a good chunk or the full mid-level, but um, in theory, he'd be another guy in terms of wing defense and shooting that they could make an offer to. I don't know if his market is going to be anywhere near that. I have a hard time believing it's going to be any, like too much more than the veterans minimum. Maybe that's me completely misreading the market, but um, again, it's going to be, it's going to be weird. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to project this market at all, yeah. as you said. He made $4.7 million last year. I was just kind of assuming he would get an increase because he, as I said, 40.5% on four and a half attempts per game. Um, How old is he? Like 31? Yeah, he's 31. So I'd imagine my thought process is he's probably looking as this as being his last big contract. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Um, but... I mean, there may not be that money; just may not exist. So, in this free agent market, so I don't know necessarily what he would command, but he might be another name worth watching. I'm for this because in 2021, when Drew Holiday <laughs> will be a free agent, you'll have Justin Holiday and Anthony Davis sitting at the table saying, "I mean, I don't have to tell you this, but LA's nice this time of year. <laughs> Please come home." And then they leave that meeting and AD and Kostas walk into the meeting with Giannis and say, <laughs> I don't have to tell you this, but LA's nice this time of year. Uh, or just AD and Kostas because next season's the year Kostas blossoms into Giannis. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> the last question that we'll end on is uh, what or who would make this offseason a win for the Lakers? To me, the what is an easier question to ask. And so I'll say a win for the Lakers this offseason would be retaining Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Dwight Howard, and Markeith Morris without dipping into the mid-level exception. I think the biannual exception you probably use on one of Markeith or Dwight, keep them around. Uh, KCP, you can... I believe they finally have his full bird right, so they can go. I would over the, hope so. <laughs> they can go over the cap to sign him, um, and then using that mid-level exception to 
get somebody who's a real difference maker, whether it be Jeremy Grant. I don't think it will be. Um, Goran Dragic is a dream, but Pat Riley has already said that he wants to take care of him. Um, Gallinari is an even bigger dream. If if we're to buy into his comments about just wanting to win at this stage of his career, as opposed to, uh, you know, cashing in on another contract, whoever it may be, I think that would be awesome. I think that would be a win. And if, if you can swing a trade that really moves the needle for the Lakers involving like Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma or, you know, Avery Bradley and JaVale McGee, if you can get a starting caliber player, that's better than Avery, Avery Bradley and JaVale McGee combined, inclu- including that 28th pick. I think, I mean, what more can you ask for uh, outside of, you know, AD signing a five-year contract? <laughs> yeah, that would be, I mean, we're, we're working under the assumption that AD returns, but I would be stunned if he did. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, um, don't even speak that into existence, please. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure in making it a successful offseason, one, AD returns. Two, um, I think the three names you mentioned are probably the three that I most want back, KCP, Dwight, and Keefe. Um, and then, as you said, if you can somehow keep those guys without dipping into the mid-level – probably means that you traded JaVale and Avery Bradley for not much in return, which honestly I would, wouldn't be upset about if you can maybe, I don't know, swing a, a draft pick or um, someone on a rookie deal, something like that. Um, I wouldn't be against that, but that would clear some money so that you can retain Dwight Keefe and KCP. And then the next step would be to sign a 3 and D guy with a mid-level, a Jeremy Grant. I'm not quite as crazy on Gallo, but if you can get him on the mid-level, that's just the value's too good to turn yeah. that down. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's other guys that I'm forgetting. I think Jeremy Grant is probably going to be the guy that we target most. Yeah. Um, with that mid-level. I mean, we saw LeBron talking to him after that series. Um, I'm assuming that was a lot of come to L.A. and win a title with us. Um, (laughs) This will not happen again. Come to me. Exactly. So that seems like the most realistic type of 3 and D target. There's guys out there, Bertans, Joe Harris, they're going to make a lot more than a mid-level exception. Um, So... That seems like the most realistic option. But really, get at least one 3 and D guy probably with that mid-level and then a couple nice pieces for vet minimums um, or the biannual. I, I kind of forgot we had that. But yeah. um, I uh, really 3 and D is, is what the Lakers' wings, I should say, is what the Lakers should be targeting because – I thought they got a bit lucky in some of their matchups that that didn't really come back to bite them. That would have been a, I mean, it was always a concern playing the Clippers. Um, They just were undersized. I think if they can add some size on the wing, um, that would be probably the biggest area that um, they should address. So if you can add a three and D guy, that would make this off season great. I would say. 
I know this goes against literally everything you just said, but um, <laughs> I, <excited. laughs> I was reading uh, a story from Bobby Marks the other day where he said he projects Christian Woods' salary to be roughly like nine to ten million. If you can get Christian Wood with with the mid level exception, that's another one where like the value there is probably too good to pass up. I, he was really good towards the later stages of last season. I don't know if I'd give him the full 10 million, but I mean, everything leading up to his, his free agency with, with the string of games he had at the end of the season suggested that he was going to get a lot more money than that. So uh, getting him for that would be cool. My only concern, I would say he, I mean, he was really good last season. Um, I mean, one, we just kind of talked about with Kuzma, whether it's sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> if this is the outlier, that's a lot of money to commit. I mean, he is just 24, so you could be getting a guy on his upswing. But two, I mean, we kind of alluded to this. I'm not crazy about spending a lot of money on bigs for the Lakers because ultimately when it comes down to it, LeBron and AD are going to be playing the four and five when it matters. So I don't know if you want to throw a lot of money at, a power forward when it'd be in a, I don't know that he could really stay on the court with LeBron and AD at the end of games. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good in a vacuum. That deal would be fine, but I just don't know if he, he makes sense. I mean, a lot of those things are the reasons I'm not sure if it's worth get, giving Gallinari that money mm-hmm. um, on top of him being injured all the time. But He's such a good scorer and shot creator that I think you could keep him on the floor with LeBron and AD. Um, I don't know that's the case with Christian Wood. That'd be a really big gamble because before this year, he'd never played more than 21 games in a season. So that seems like too much of a gamble for a team looking to win another title. Well, Jacob, I think – it's safe to say you are ready to talk about the off season. We did it. I bet for a I, whole hour. Listen, if I get another tweet, I'm just sitting, I'm tagging you <laughs> in it. I'm sending it to you. That's what we're doing from now on. Uh, thank you guys for sending for all of you for sending in your questions, um, especially in the amount of time that you guys sent the questions. I think we only gave you like a twenty minute heads up. So really appreciate that. We will be back next week. Well, I mean, I'll be back later this week with Jaws, but uh, we will be back, back next week. Um, and suffice to say, things could get very interesting from now and the next time we speak. So everybody take care of yourselves. If you're going to vote, uh, make sure to vote responsibly and safely. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I've been Christian. Signing off for Jacob. We'll talk to you next week.